hello. Welcome to Novel Finds Podcast, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hi, I'm Julia, and today we have an awesome author chat with Mark Graney, author of the Gray Man series, but also a new standalone novel called Armored. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being on. Uh, There are so many cool things just about you in general that I was reading about the other day. So I'm so excited to get started. But one of the coolest things that um, I read about is that you travel to all of the countries that you write about and just to like all of the different places. How many different countries have you traveled to? Um, the, The last time I added it up, it was probably 38 or so. So, and then there's more, you know, I'm going to Switzerland and and these are countries I've already been to, but I'm going to Switzerland, Italy Italy in two weeks to do some more research. I don't always get to go. Um, Some of the places I write about, it's just not safe to go to. And um, sometimes uh, there was one book where I had an ankle surgery, right? As I was about to go to Thailand and couldn't go. And then uh, obviously COVID slowed things down for a couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I it, it really does help the writing quite a bit when I go. That's just so amazing. Like, honestly, it makes sense that you go to the places that you talk about. But do yeah. you have a favorite one that you've gone to? Yeah, I, of, of all my, and I don't know why, but of all my, um, like, location tour, you know, research th- trips I've done, um, I did one for a book I wrote called Dead Eye, which was the fourth Gray Man book. I live in Memphis, Tennessee. It's hot and sweltering. sweltering. If we get snow it's like an inch that's melted by noon usually mm-hmm. um but i'd seen that movie the girl with the dragon tattoo and i was like god i'd love to go to sweden and so i planned a, a book sort of around stockholm but then on a uh it got bigger as all my books do and so right. i went to it i went to estonia and lithuania and then i took a ferry over to sweden and then i went down into um denmark and and belgium and, and germany and it was or germany and belgium and it was you know it was in December, there were blizzards. It, it was mm-hmm. just really cool. It was just so fish out of water for somebody like me that's never really been around anything like that. And it it really it really made the book a lot better because I I put the you know I centered the book during a blizzard in Stockholm and all these mm-hmm. things, and it really it it made the book a lot more fun to write. Oh my gosh! So if you if you look at a map and you're just like I want to go to that country, is that then where? your next book is going to be set. Is that I how mean, you choose it? Yeah, to, to some extent. Like I really want to do a, a, a Gray Man book in Japan because I've never been to Japan and I'd really like mm-hmm. to go. Um, it looks like I'm going to get the opportunity to go on another book. So I don't know if that's going to affect the Gray Man stuff. But yeah, no, there's, um, gosh, uh, I went to St. Lucia earlier this year for the Gray Man book I'm writing now mm-hmm. um, for research. And of course, I brought my wife and we had a really, really nice time. But I also did, you know, actual research while I was there. And uh, I, you know, I I wanted to go. I needed the book needed somewhere in the Caribbean that does a lot of sort of underhanded offshore financial Mm -hmm. dealings. Mm -hmm. And St. Lucia fit the bill there. And it also looked like a fun place to go on vacation. So did it together. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. I love that. So just a quick question, because you live in Memphis. Um, have you been to Graceland? I assume you've been to Graceland because <laughs> you're in Memphis. I think it's the law. No, I mean, actually, most Memphians don't. I mean, I won't say they haven't been there, but they don't go there. But I worked in international business a lot. So I. Um, so you would take people there? I, yeah, I'd have clients from out of the country. And of course, that's where they wanted to go. And then yeah. it happened so much. It got to be like you had to be a certain level of client 
Otherwise, I would just drop you off and. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Right, you don't need to listen to the John Stamos walk through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, actually, I like it. And I'm a I'm a big Elvis fan. I wasn't when I was younger, but um, I've become a big Elvis fan. And uh, but yeah, no, I haven't actually been in Graceland since my you know 15, 20 years, twenty years probably. Yeah, I went to Memphis to see Graceland, and I found this really awesome breakfast spot. It's called Brother Juniper's. Have oh, yeah. you been there? Oh yeah. my gosh. Course, it has yeah. the best breakfast, I think, yeah. like in the United States. And I've been yeah. to many places. Well, I went to college, like walking distance from there. So I would go there a lot in college and I lived right around the corner for, for a long time. So yeah, Brother Juniper's is the place to go if you can get in. I know, right? Oh, it was like a fluke. I had searched it on Google and it was like best breakfast in Memphis um, yeah. and then found it and got in. Oh, it was so good. I yeah. dream about that. And I've been there. <laughs> I was there like five years ago. Um, but okay, enough about this. Let's get into the book, into Armored. Can you give us a small synopsis of Armored and maybe a little bit about yourself as an author? Yeah, I um, Armored is about a guy named Josh Duffy, who is what's called a high threat civilian military contractor. Um, he's basically a bodyguard, protects dignitaries, but in, in very high threat situations. Um, so, you know, in the Middle East or, you know, certain like denied er- areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Early in the very beginning of the book, he is on a very difficult uh, job and he's injured so badly that three years later, he's working as a mall cop in Virginia and he has a young family uh, mouths to feed, a lot of medical bills still. And he just bumps into this guy one day at the mall that he used to work with downrange and overseas as a contractor. And he learns about this mission coming up in 48 hours to Mexico, and they're looking for contractors uh, to go down there. So he hides, he, he, he loses his leg in Lebanon in, at the beginning of the book. Um, he hides that from the, the civilian military contractors and gets on this detail it mm-hmm. goes down into Mexico, into like drug cartel, into the mountains of Western Mexico. And I say the book is sort of one part Black Hawk Down and one part Apocalypse Now. Things just get weirder and weirder the deeper they get into it. And so there's a lot of other cool characters. His wife, Nicole, is is not a shrieking violet. She's not the woman. No, at home, like, not at all. She's not the all. woman at home, like wringing her hands when her husband's downrange. She's the alpha of the relationship. She's 100%. a former army, armor, army captain. And she is she would be there instead of him if, if things could have worked out differently. And so mm-hmm. she's very much involved with the whole story. And she was a lot of fun to write too. Yeah. I loved that about her. I was uh, when he got hired as the contractor and then she was like, you have never been a team lead before. And I yeah. have, so we're going to get you yeah. into shape. I was like, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So cool. yeah. I wanted to write. I, I mean, I, I, as I started to write her, I was like, all right, don't do the cliche thing, you know? And I was like, I've met, like, I'm surrounded by, like, really cool alpha females. And I'm like, I would like to write an alpha female in a positive light, not for Mm -hmm. any, you know, like, woke thing. I mean, not for any other reason other than, like, that exists. And that's cool, you know. And and it's usually not how you see them in entertainment. And I'd also, when I worked with Tom Clancy, I spent a lot of time at military bases and and stuff like that. And you meet these incredibly young, incredibly talented women and men as well, but women – and I, I remember thinking I could never write this person into a book because people wouldn't believe that, you know, a 24 year old would have this much um, strength and and like, you know, responsibility and, you know, just leadership skills and all that. 
And it's true. So I was like, you know what? I'll put it in this book and see what people say. But um, I mean, it, it, these people exist and I would run into them. And, and I, I wanted to sort of show that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you for doing that. Um, um, yeah. So how did Josh Duffy come about? I know that um, like you, you sit and think about the books that you're writing as you're writing another one. Yeah. Um, and so there's always something percolating. When did Josh Duffy show up? And, a and long, how. yeah, a long, long time ago. Because when I first started writing the uh, the Gray Man books, uh, or even before I got published, when I was first writing, I I was never in the military, never in law enforcement. I wasn't a spy. I had some gaps in my knowledge, and one of them was like firearms and battlefield medicine and things of that nature. So I started taking classes, simple classes with handguns, and then more advanced classes with rifles, and then more advanced classes with like team tactics. And then eventually I started uh, training with civilian military contractors. This is the late 2000s. So these are the guys going to Iraq or Afghanistan to protect mm-hmm. convoys. And I would live in the bunk houses and, and the team rooms with these people. And I just got the idea that uh, writing a book about them and not about the people they protect, who most people would write the books about, mm-hmm. would be really cool because it's a very blue collar job. I mean, you know, it's like they're truck drivers with guns, you know, at, to some degree. And and I love these guys and, and um, you know, got to know them. So I, I got this idea of this young guy who's very much down on his luck that used to do that for a living. And, you know, the book starts with him, you know, almost in a state of depression, as, as tough as his life has become since his injury and had the desperation that would send him off on this suicide mission. Essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredibly like crazy, but also it makes sense. But also like they didn't do a physical because he had yeah. to he had to leave so quickly. I was like, yeah. this is because I mean, I feel like regularly you would have to do that. And so yeah, I was like, ah, sure. this is this is how the story happens is yeah, there's yeah. now he, a secret happening as well. Yeah. Yeah. He, he talks his way onto it. And, and and actually, the the loss of his leg isn't really the vulnerability in itself, because mm-hmm. I, I know people with prosthetic legs that, you know, can run. There's guys in special forces that have lost their leg in combat and then gone back. In, onto the front lines uh, with prosthetics. However, the 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 real vulnerability in the story is that he he's got to hide this through the whole thing, and he mm-hmm. has to talk his way on, and he's got this thing that nobody can know about that, that he has to try and manage. And I just thought that was like a cool point of tension for yeah for the story to add. Definitely, definitely. Do you have a favorite line or section from the book that you want to share? Hmm. You know, that's a good question. Yeah, the deeper he gets up onto the Devil's Spine, which is the the top of the mountains in the Western Sierra Madre, just kind of mm-hmm. the crazier things get. So some of the action scenes that take place up on the top of the Devil's Spine were, uh, you know, like very intense. Even writing them, they're very intense. It's like I'll write these guys into into a corner I can't get them out of, and then I'll come up with some way that they get themselves out of. And so that's always fun to do, but. At the same time, uh, there's a character in there named Dr. Gabby Flores, and she's an anthropologist that works at the um, the Museum of Natural History in Mexico City, where I've been a few times. And she's brought along sort of as a cultural liaison with this motorcade. And I did that because otherwise this would be a book about these tough American dudes that go down to Mexico and kick butt. And you don't have any context of, of what's going on or where you are. And with Gabby there, Working with Duff, she sees that Duff is an empathetic guy. He's not 
he, he thinks he's going down there just for a paycheck, but he has kids mm-hmm. of his own. He sees the children there. He sees the plight of these people and he becomes very invested. And so the scenes where Dr. Forrest is talking to Je- to Duff about the situation they're in, that, that was fun to write because you're able to give a little context about the different indigenous groups that are up there on the mountains, in the mountains and all that. And um, I thought that was important to add an element into the story. So it's not just, you know, these foreign people right it's not just action happening all the time yeah exactly yeah yeah she's another good character i really enjoyed i was glad that she was there i was like oh Mm. cool yeah so speaking of the characters do you have a favorite character and if it's different is there a character in the book that you relate to the most you know i relate to josh the most um I, I can picture myself in that situation and and doing what I have to do. I can I can picture myself with a with a um, a wife who wears the pants because I'm kind of that's kind of my I don't know I guess we sort of both wear the pants but I mean it's it uh, but you know like uh, but in a good way they love each other they're it's yeah. a great relationship um, so I would say probably Josh is was my favorite character um, he's not based on any one person that I've. Mm-hmm new or trained with or anything like that but he's kind of an amalgamation um i'm an older guy i was 42 when my first book came out so i was doing these training things you know with literally i had like army ranger guy that was 18 you know and i'm I'm running drills with him but you know most of the the contractor guys are in their 30s um but some of them were in their early 30s and some of these young guys i really sort of thought that's a cool character you know so uh, he was based off of a bunch of different people I I know, but he's also based off me as far as like worldview and, and an empathetic feeling towards uh, the places mm-hmm. where he, where he, he travels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So talking about um, the training with the, you said military contractors, is mm-hmm. that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you, like, how did you get into that? How did you approach someone and say, I don't want to be in the military, but I would like to train <laughs> with the with the military? Um, well, yeah, that's a good question. So there are private schools uh, in different parts of the country that are that are known as mm-hmm. really good, high quality training. And one of them is in Tennessee. I live in Memphis. Well, we've talked about that um, yeah. in Middle Tennessee near the Tennessee River. And I went there. I'd, I'd done some other firearm school, but I, mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. said that place was good. And I, I went there and just started taking classes and more and more. And I think I sort of became a mascot there. Like I, I was never one of the best guys. Um, right, you'd show up and they'd be like, ah, oh, it's Mark. Yeah, it's the guy. He's, he, I think he has a, he's writing a book, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, but I would literally train along with a, a SWAT guy from North Carolina mm-hmm. or a special forces guy from Fort Campbell or be, one of the trainers would be like a special forces medic. And then the military contractors were, were are all ex-military and they would come and do this uh, training. And so it's just a private school. And as a civilian, they let you go in there. You have to sort of prove yourself every step of the way. I was never the best at anything. And right. I have this funny story. It wasn't at that school, but another school I attended a, a former Delta force, like commando was teaching this class and, and rifle. And uh, he said, uh, I was the only guy there that wasn't, some big shot shooter and I did some drill and when it was over, he goes, Grainy, I got to tell you, I really, really admire your effort, which is like a backhanded compliment. You know, it's like, <laughs> you tried real hard. Yeah, you're not very good, but you, but you know what? You didn't give up. Or, and, you know, and it's uh-huh. like, all right, I'll take that. You know, I'm 
45 years old and right. I'm with these 25 year old guys doing my best. But also, I mean, it's kind of freeing. You don't have to be a big shot with it because yeah. you're, you're just trying to learn how, how it works, not necessarily yeah. to use it practically. I, I always say, I just have to know it well enough to talk about it, but then that, that involves some, you know, that involves some research for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was the hardest exercise that you've had to do? Well, the hardest one they don't let you talk about. Um, Fair. Okay. Because, what is the next yeah, hardest but, one that you okay, can talk uh, about? Anything that involves uh, night shooting, because um, it's all um, live fire. There'd be 16 guys and you're doing things called bounding where you're covering for one guy while he's moving back mm-hmm. and you're firing very close to other people. And really that was scarier to me than having people fire close to me. Um, right. And, you know, at night you have flashlights on your, on your weapons but you don't think about it. The the dust that's kicked up from these rifles. Oh um, yeah. It's not. It's not just that it's dark and you're looking through light. I mean, they everything just sort of. There's a whole lot of like, can I pull the trigger right now, or is Bob, you know, in in my line of fire? You know, and it, it's very. Nothing in my life has had me that dialed in to where like you know that that level of focus. Um, and there were some other drills that they, they're they very adamant that you don't talk about. So when other people take them, they don't know what they're in for and all that sort fair. of stuff that, yeah. that are very, you know, that are very uh, dicey situations. It's, it's all life or death, even in the training, because these guys, you know, go down range and, and have to do this for real. Well, that is just so cool. But moving into like a slightly different area, you wrote with Tom Clancy and and you wrote with him for three novels and then continued with the Tom Clancy estate uh, after he passed for like four more novels. Yeah. How were you approached by Tom or did you approach him? How did that whole relationship start? And it's, how was it? Was it awesome? It, well, yeah, it was awesome. He was my the first uh, thriller I ever bought in my life was Patriot Games, which was one of his books when I was like 19. And um so it was eventually awesome. At first it was terrifying. I mean, it was really, really terrifying. Yeah. Um, but, but it started, it started because my first book that an agent agreed to represent was Gray Man. It was my fourth, fourth finished manuscript. And he sent it out to 10 publishers and nine of them said no. And the guy that said yes, at the very end, the guy that said yes is Tom Colgan, who was also Tom Clancy's editor just so that's just complete coincidence and happenstance and if any of those other guys had said yes it might never even made yeah i'd only had two little mass market paperbacks out i was not like a household name or anything that the gray man my first one was in hollywood but lots of things are in hollywood never get made so that didn't really mean anything but tom colgan my editor you know reached out and said tom clancy's looking for a new co-author and asked if i would be interested and it wasn't a job offer it was just like hey would you be interested? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. And I think there was some sort of decision-making at other levels with Clancy and everybody else. And I just, on my own, I said, you know, I know the Tom Clancy stuff so well, cause I've read it. So, you know, like I've, I've read mm-hmm. all the books and my dad who passed away before I even finished my first unpublished novel, he and I would give each other the Clancy books every year for Christmas. So it was, it was the Clancy stuff was very important to me. Yeah. So just on my own, I said, I'm just going to write 25 or 30 or 50 or I can't remember pages as it as if it it's a Tom Clancy book like right in the middle of an imaginary mm-hmm. book just this scene that just starts at one place and ends at one place just to show all the different characters and how I know how they talk and their relationships and their strengths and everything so I wrote that and I gave it to them and then they had me fly up to Baltimore to meet Tom and 
And I did three with him before he passed away, as you said. And then in 2013, he passed away right after we finished uh, Command Authority. And then uh, the family reached out and said, we'd like you to keep doing them. So I did I did four more. I did seven in six years. And, I, and then I was like, I really have no more gas in this tank. Mm-hmm. Um, get somebody else to do it. I, I will miss it. Let's keep the let's keep the quality up because I, yeah, I felt yeah. a little drained, you know. And I'm and the guys that took over after me had done great. I love that. I also like words. I just there's so many words that I want to say, but that is just so cool, especially because they weren't like upset that you were like, I just want to move into another thing. And then uh, they found like awesome guys. And that's just, that's so cool. Yeah. You mentioned gray man being in Hollywood that has made a thing. It is, it is now like out on Netflix. That's really exciting, but we're not talking about gray man right now. We're talking about armored, Mm -hmm. which is also in Hollywood right now. Right. It's, it's, I hear attached to Michael Bay. Yeah, yeah. Sony uh, got the option for it, and uh, Michael Bay is set to produce it along with Erwin Stoff, who's a really good producer. He did um, The Matrix and Edge of Tomorrow, that fantastic Tom Cruise uh, film, mm, and and, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other films. And um, you know, it's still in it's still in the early stages. It took 13 years for Gray Man from when I first optioned it to Hollywood to to when right. it was shot and 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 came out. And I'm lucky that it happened at all. People are going like, "Gosh, you you know, it took so long." And I'm like, "Yeah, 13 years is a lot faster than never." You know, which is right, where, you know, right. I didn't I didn't ever expect anything to come out of it other than you know I'd get a little money and I'd get to say that my book is in Hollywood. You know, I didn't actually mm-hmm. think it would be made, much less by the Russo brothers and much less with you know, such a, a cast with Ron Gosling I and Chris, Chris Evans. Yeah. Have yeah. you got to, did you meet them? Have you met the, you know, the cast I, and the Russos and everyone? Only some, well, the Russos for sure. Yeah. It, from the very beginning, they had me come out to LA and spend time with them before they, they Joe Russo actually wrote the, the script and then mm-hmm. uh, two other screenwriters, Marcus and McFeely that have written many of the Marvel films, um, polished it. And I, you know, spent a lot of time with the Russos and met a lot of the producers along the way. But I didn't meet any of the cast. Um, I went to the premiere last week in L.A. and I did get to meet uh, some of the cast and um, was was really happy to do that. But honestly, yeah. it's like my wife was with me. And of course, we're, we're geeked out because we're Memphis, Tennessee, and then we're on this red carpet and all this craziness. And uh, but I, I got to talk to Steve McFeely, one of the screenwriters. And I was like, I was. I was more starstruck there maybe than I was when I met Rega Jean Page or, or somebody like that. Um, but it was, it was, it was a tremendous amount of fun and they treated us really well. And they're just putting so much effort into this film. I mean, they're, they're the whole cast went to London and to Berlin and I think Dubai or something and, and New York. And um, they're really, you know, throwing their back into promoting this. So hopefully it does well. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I'm very excited to watch it. I haven't seen it yet, but I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to this guy. I should watch his movie. <laughs> and I love action movies. So I'm, I am very, Good. very excited. Um, just going back a little bit with Armored, are you involved in the process for this one at all? Um, just in terms of like screenwriting, are you going to do any of that kind of stuff or is it similar to gray man where it's in hollywood they're taking it and then you get to to see all of the results yeah so i i am set up as a producer uh of of armored 
And basically how that happened was uh, one of the producers, Irwin Stoff, asked me if I would like to take a crack at writing the screenplay. And uh, I'm, I'm a very honest, straightforward person. I go, you know, I'd really love it if you got somebody good at screenwriting to write it instead of me. I said, I'd love to talk to him because I have a lot of ideas right, you know, yeah. and, and, and all that. Um, but it's like, once you get somebody that knows what they're doing, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm happy to hand my work off to, uh, you know, a professional, just, just as that, like I did with the Russos. Yeah. And, um, you know, I knew I was in good hands. I read the scripts along the way and, and I knew that everything was going to turn out good. And, and, you know, they're artists just like I am. So it's not, a, it's not the same thing as the book, but it's probably 60% like the book. And, um, you know, they create, they're, they're trying to make a, a bigger franchise with it. So mm-hmm. they, they introduce some characters that don't come along until later gray man books. Cause they're trying to create a, a longer story arc. When I wrote gray man, I was just trying to get a book published. I had no idea it was going to be a series. You, you, you couldn't have told me that I'd be writing book 12 in 2022. Oh, but that's the excellent part of the journey, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a great place to be. Um, okay. So I have our final question of, of this whole chat and it may be the hardest question, but what is your favorite book that I've ever read or that I've I've written ever that you've, that you've read? What is your favorite book that you have ever read? This will change from time to time. So if anybody like finds an amalgamation, but um, there's a book called the devil's alternative by Frederick Forsyth. I've, I've read mostly espionage novels. I've, I've sort of not gone wide of my genre. Maybe it would have been good if I did. I'm not telling people that's what to do. The Devil's Alternative, I think it came out in 1980 by Frederick Forsyth. It's just like just an amazing story. There's a book called The Charm School by Nelson DeMille, which is definitely one of my favorite books. It's just so incredibly inventive and, and good. Those are uh, There's a guy named Ralph Peters who's not nearly as famous as he should be. And he, he wrote a book called The War in 2020. He wrote it like in the ninety in the early nineties, and it's just incredible storytelling. So there, I mean, there's books that you know, like I literally get like my pulse races when I see them on a shelf. You know, it's like mm-hmm. literally I, I remember the experience of reading them. So um, you know, and I've read Charm School like probably three times, and it holds up. You know, some sometimes if you read something a long time ago and you remember it one way, and you look at it again, you're mm-hmm. like, yikes, this does not hold up the way I thought it did. Right? Same as movies, but but when when it does, it's amazing. I, so that wasn't actually very hard of a question. Sometimes people <laughs> have to like sit and think about it. But I love that. Yeah. Oh, I give that's you three excellent. answers. I can't give you one answer, but I can give you. Oh three no, answers. that's okay. <laughs> we never have one specific answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But before we go, do you have any final thoughts on on Armored or just in general that you'd like to share? Well, I just hope people will check it out. And um, if it's, you know, it's an, I say it's, you know, part Black Hawk Down, part Apocalypse Now, as I said, and it, it's very, um, you know, it's an action adventure story, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of light and dark in it. There's some grit, but there's also some humor. And mm-hmm. if it's, if that's your thing, then I, I hope you'll check it out. And I hope you'll check out my Gray Man series as well. Number 12 is called Burner. And it will be out next February if I finish it in the next nine days like I'm supposed to. All right. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for being on. It was so nice meeting you and chatting with you, Mark. Thanks, Julie. I really enjoyed it. Well, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to see more from Mark Graney, you can find him on Instagram at markgraneybooks or go to his website, markgraneybooks.com. And that's Graney, G-R-E-A-N-E-Y, in case you're interested. 
Uh, if you love our podcast, the best thing you could do to support it is to share it with other bookish friends and family members. And if you want even more content from us, you can always subscribe to our Patreon, where we have shorter episodes chatting about books we're reading outside of the podcast and answering weird questions like, how do you feel about bread? And where did all those lime scooters go? You can find the link to our Patreon in our podcast bio, or also in our link tree on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.